Jim is someone that uh, when I'm trying to introduce him, it's just hard for me to explain, you know, this, 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 the, the honor I have of having this man, someone that I can just call my friend. But let me just give you some, some uh, uh, statistics of what he has done in the past 17 years. He has shown his, um, I'm going to call it a performance, to 750 groups in college campuses around the U.S. and internationally. After his two first two years of doing this, um, he caught leukemia. Um, and that set him back a bit. But a few years later, he, do he dovetailed it after he um, was cured into his, his show, and you're going to hear him talk about it a little bit. I've asked him to just give you guys a bit of a snapshot of what he does on the college's campuses, and it's really quite amazing. I know you're going to have a great time. There has been, over these 17 years, over 70,000 commitments from college students uh, because of the performance of his team and this man. Isn't that fab fabulous? That is arguably the highest number of anyone that's doing evangelism on college campuses in the last three decades. This man, um, with the Be The Match, at every um, show, he encourages the college students to sign up for Leukemia Be The Match. And they have kept track of those college students who have signed up. And there is 287 people alive today because of those sign-ups in those college campuses. Is that amazing? 287. <laughs> Jim lives in Dallas. He was, he was a, a ball player through school and college here in Southern California. Uh, but he now lives in Dallas. And um, I was humbled and honored uh, when I asked him if he would come and share with you men a little bit about his life his ministry these past 17 years. Uh, so with that, I want to introduce you to Jim Monroe. Jim? All right. Thank you. Oh, I can't really come down here. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it very much. Orange County, how's everybody doing this morning? Oh, come on. Orange County, how is everybody doing this morning? Excellent. Uh, you're, what's your name, sir? Bill, stand to your feet. Everybody say, hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. Bill, are you nervous in front of large groups of people? Come on up here, Bill. Everybody give Bill a big round of applause. So this is an interesting thing that I do. People call it delusion. People call it magic. But it's actually more of like a, um, it's a psychological thing. I use my five senses to create the illusion of a sixth sense, all right? And so while we get this started, uh, we're going to warm people up just a little bit. Uh, you're sizing me up right now. I've been sizing all of you up all morning, all right? Um, so what I want you to do is I want you to take uh, a few of these cards. I'm going to shuffle these in my hand so that you don't, uh, you don't have to see it in your hand. How about this, though? You cut them. Why don't you just give them a cut just like that? And you want to give them another cut? Oh, boy. You want to give them another cut? No, if you don't, if you don't want to, good. we don't have to. Good. Feel good? Okay, great. Here's what I want you. I want you to take a chunk of cards, anywhere from the middle, chunk of card. Yeah, it, yeah, wherever you want, right? And don't. Here's the thing. Don't let me see the backs of them, okay? Because everybody knows what a marked card is. You understand? So take the shuffled cards that you cut, and I want you to kind of just begin to distribute them around the room. These three tables right here in the middle where you were hanging out a second ago. If you get a card from Bill. Stand to your feet, but hold it up against your chest. You can take a peek at the value of the card, but don't let anybody see it to the right or the left of you, but uh, keep, keep it right on your chest. Does that make sense? Super. Go ahead, Bill. Yes, go ahead, Bill. My name is Jim Monroe. Yeah, see, Bill's got a, a friend. All right, good. My name's Jim Monroe. I grew up in Orange County. Uh, I grew up in the city of Orange. Uh, my earliest memories are actually Corona Del Mar, big, big Corona coming down here. Um, Let's see, I, uh, I ended up going to the University of Texas. Actually, I went to Servite High School. Um, I know, shocker, right? And then went, to, uh, then went to the University of Texas. So if you have a kid who went to modern day and then on to USC, you probably hate my guts right now, but that's okay. <laughs> Bill, yes, did you keep one for yourself? Okay, sit down, Bill. <laughs> Just kidding. Give Bill a round of applause. 
If you got a card from Bill, stand to your feet. If you got a card from Bill, stand to your feet. And just look at me. This, like I said, this is just a warm-up. What I want you to do is I want you to make sure you can't, nobody can see the back of that card. Nobody can see the back of the card, but you look at the card. By the way, sir, those aren't puppy feet. Those are clubs. Good. All right. Very good. Um, everyone look up here, and I want you to just, uh, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but I want you to send me your card. Send it to me. Like you're, um, just in your imagination, this guy's really getting into it. No, no, don't whistle. Just send it to me. Think of your card over and over and over and over again. Now, which one of you is thinking of a Sears club? Just hold it up just like that. Thank you, sir. You can have a seat. Very, very good. Um, yeah, no, no, that one. Don't, don't. This gets better. Hold on. Okay. Uh, seven of hearts. Hold it up. Seven of hearts. Okay. Yeah, you whistlers, sit down. All right. The three of hearts, have a seat. The uh, eight of uh, spades, have a seat. Oh, oh, <laughs> take it easy then, all right. Um, the four of clubs, four of clubs, have a seat. The, uh, uh, the uh, jack of diamonds, have a seat. The, um, the uh, king of, you said jack of diamonds, correct? I, I know I said that. King of spades, ace of spades, three of spades, have a seat. Give these guys a round of applause. Bill, gather up those cards for me real quick if you wouldn't mind. Give another round of applause for Bill, everybody. If you went to USC, stand up. I didn't say raise your hand. No, stand up, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. All right, Bill. Bill, we didn't set anything up before this, right? Have you ever been a lovely assistant before? No. First time for everything. All right. <laughs> He's kidding, by the way. No, I'm kidding. Uh, here's what I want you to do. Bill, just pick one of these Trojans. I can say that at a men's meeting. Okay, yes. Stay standing. All you other Trojans, sit down. Okay, fantastic. Bill, watch this. If you were a Bruin, stand up. Depending on which season it is, it's a little harder to stand up. I understand that. Bill, choose a Bruin. Yes. This guy right here? Are you sure? Okay, super. What's your name? Carter and your name? Toby. All right. A Bruin and a Trojan. All right. Everyone else, have a seat. Carter and Toby, come on up here. Give these guys a big round of applause. Just as quick, oh, come on up, up, up on stage, yes, uh, as quick as you can. Super, 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 okay. Oh, Bill, you don't have to come up here. Just sit down, sit down, sir, <laughs> sir. Bill, you can have a seat. Thank you, Bill. We'll get back to you in just a second. Give it up for Bill again. Did something fall? Okay, no worries. Here, have a stand, have a stand over here just like this. All right, uh, Carter, you're, you're from UCLA, yes? Okay, what year did you graduate? And you went to USC, sir? What year did you graduate? 64. Okay, super. All right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> um, here's what I want you to do. You guys want to see a miracle? Hold hands. Come on, come on, come on. The Holy Spirit is here. Close enough. All right, close enough. All right, I want both of you, I want both of you, so some people think that enemies can't be friends. Uh, we'll put this to test. Um, here's what I want each of you to do right now. With, but believe it or not, personal touch kind of creates a little bit of chemistry. Um, so what I want you to do both right now is just to close your eyes tightly. Just close them tight, really, really, really tight. Super. And I want each of you to think of any color, any color from a Crayola crayon box. And imagine the entire audience is splashed in that color. All right? All right, and on the count of three, you can open your eyes. One, two, three, open your eyes. And if you want to, you can stop touching each other. Carter, what color were you thinking of? Purple. Toby, what color were you thinking of? Green. Green. All right, I'm a magician, not Jesus. Um, okay, 
no synchronicity at all. Let's just try this again. Okay, well, this time you're going to shut your eyes again, but this time you're not going to touch each other, okay? I just want you to close your eyes, but in, just in a second, don't close them yet. But while your eyes are closed, I want you to memorize and remember everything that you feel while your eyes are closed. We're going to turn off the sensitivity of sight by having you close your eyes, but I want you to turn off your sensitivity of touch and memorize and remember everything that you feel while your eyes are closed. Do you understand, Carter? Okay, great. Do you understand, Toby? Excellent. On the count of three, close your eyes tightly. One, two. No, no, don't, don't put your hands up. <laughs> On the count of three, close your eyes tightly. One, two, three. Close them tight. Really, really, really tight. All right, with your eyes closed, keep them closed. With your eyes closed, if you felt something touch you, go ahead and raise your right hand. When your eyes were closed, if you felt something touch you, go ahead and raise your right hand. When your eyes were closed, if you felt something touch you, raise, raise it! All right, put your hands down. Don't lie, Carter. Don't lie. All right, I'm going to ask you the same question, just a different way. With your right hand, go ahead and point to the spot where you just felt something touch you. Carter. Carter. All right, put your hands down. That's right, Carter, that's right. All right, keep your eyes closed. And one more time. On, don't hold up your right hand and on your fingers. How many times did you just feel something touch you? How many times? I didn't say say it! It's because it's the class of 68. That's why this is happening. No, I'm just kidding. How many times did you feel it, Carter? Okay, once again, magician on Jesus, we're close. Okay, open your eyes. All right. They're freaking out, Carter, because I never touched you. I was touching him over here, and you felt it. All of these Christians wouldn't lie to you at the same time. Carter, I can tell you don't, you're not buying this, so hold out your right hand just like this, Carter, so you can keep your eyes open. Toby, you're going to close your eyes again, but before you do, can you feel me touch you like barely right here? Carter, Carter keep your eyes open and watch this. Yes. Watch it. Oh, close your eyes again. Point and show everybody where it was while your eyes are closed. Point, point, show everybody where it was. And how, how many times did you feel it? Two times, that's correct. Okay, you guys have a lot to talk about later. Give these guys a big round of applause. You can have a seat. <laughs> Carter, don't feel so bad. He just, uh, Toby just told me he's married to a Bruin. So, so, I don't know what to think about that. Anyway, um, Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I uh, have spent the last 15, uh, 17 years of my life uh, talking to people about what might be going on behind the scenes of the existence that they experience with their five natural senses alone. That ultimately is what a magic trick is, a good one anyway. It's you experiencing something that's completely different than what's actually going on. And that will preach, and I will preach it here in just a second. But before we do, I'm going to have one of you from the audience completely random. Um, so I'm going to throw this this way. Uh, you, sir, I, obviously I could have thrown that. I, I, I used to pitch, so I maybe behind the head I could have. We, people could think that you, we set this up. So what I want you to do is stand to your feet and just give that ball a toss somewhere in the audience so we know it's a completely random person. Oh, super. It's bouncing around. Fantastic. Sir, what is your name? Steve, stand to your feet, Steve. Everybody say, hi, Steve. Steve, have we set anything up? Did we talk before this presentation? No. Steve, do you need reading glasses to read? Okay, great. Steve, grab two people and come up here. Everybody give Steve and his two cronies a big round of applause. As quick as you can. As quick as you can, Steve. As quick as you can. So Steve caught the ball. Very, very good. Steve, I have you come sit down in this chair right up here. And your name, sir? Alan, stand right over here for me, Alan. Everybody say, hi, Alan. Hi, Alan. And Alan, hey, how Ed. are you? Ed. I like your shirt. I'll explain why later. Okay, Ed, everybody, I know. I know. everybody say, hi, Ed. hi, Ed. Excellent. Man, I didn't pick that. I went to the University of Texas. I told you that. Okay, great. Super. Um, so here, uh, Ed, 
uh, uncap this huge marker. You're going to write down something here in just a second. But don't get that on your shirt because it's a really nice shirt. Okay, perfect. Sounds fantastic. And then um, you, sir, Alan, yes. this isn't very important, all right? Because in just a second, sorry, one more quick, what's your name again? Steve. In just a second, Steve is going to make a series of random decisions. And no matter how hard Steve tries to make a series of random decisions, inevitably, this is what he's going to do. You don't happen to have a big black permanent marker on you, do you? Okay, super. So there's no way that this could change. Excellent. Steve, um, some people think life is random. They think that, uh, oh no, higher. Yeah, super. Some people think life is random, right? That all the choices that we make are seemingly meaningless. That at the end of the day, it's just the cards or the hand that you've been dealt, right? But some people think life is purpose. They think that things happen for a reason. And no matter how hard we try to make a random decision, inevitably we're going to land in that purpose. Does that make sense? So we're going to put that idea to test tonight. And once again, Steve, no matter how hard you try, this is what you're going to do. Do you understand? Kind of. Okay, these are the cards that um, Bill gave me back. Thank you, Bill. And um, what I want you to see first is that all of these are different. All right? This isn't like a loaded uh you know, deck or anything like that. No two are different. Do you see that? Excellent. So no two are the same. My bad. <laughs> Do me a favor. Uh, and, and here's the thing. These are being genuinely shuffled, correct? Right? Excellent. I'm going to give them a quick cut. And then, But everyone knows that I'm a magician. I can make the cards look like they're being mixed. But if you cut the cards, then everyone would know that it was a legitimate choice. So just cut the cards wherever you want, Steve, anywhere you want. And I'm going to hold your break right here. All right? Fair enough? Super. Do you know what this is? This is the, the uh, yes. yellow book. This is the Orange County Yellow Pages. Kids, we used to use this to call people. To call people. It was to call. Uh, Steve, take the card you cut to, but don't look at it. Just stick it inside of your pocket. Will you do that for me, please? Yes, that's super. Thank you so much, Steve. I'm going to replay, uh, put these back into the box. Don't even look at the card that you've selected. Steve, um, I want you, have you seen a phone book before? Yeah. I want you to inspect the uh, phone book here. This is from 2000, what, what year is this? 2013, 14, so relatively, yeah. So that's a phone book with, I don't know how many numbers. Let's call it 100,000, all right? Do me a favor, Steve, pick any page, but I want you to pick a page. It doesn't have a huge graphic on it, all right? But like one with a lot of numbers, all right? Because you might think that I'm trying to force. Uh, okay, no, yeah, go ahead and lay it down. It's okay. This page, right, we're going to use an odd page that has a lot of numbers on it. Are you okay with this page? Steve, do you want to change your mind? You can if you want. Okay, great. <laughs> no matter what you do, Steve. This page right here, are you sure? Okay, Steve. Uh, with the with the page that you've selected, we're going to make sure that we select one number, and they're small, and that's why I asked if you need reading glasses to read. But you'll notice on the page that you've selected, all of the numbers are different. Do you see this, Steve? On the count of three, I'm going to say one, two, three, go. Begin to move the bookmark down the page. Whatever you want to say stop, we're going to stop at the number you say to stop at. You're going to read off the number out loud, and my friend here is going to write it down. Fair enough? Excellent. On the count of three, one, two, three, go. Stop. Do you want to change your mind? Read off the number you stopped at. Please write this down. 714. 714. 332. 332. 6910. 6910. Can I see what you wrote? No, I don't want to see the words. I want you to see what, what you wrote. The, oh, I, oh, there's a fun, there's a punchline coming, everybody. Okay, it's good. 332-6910. Is that correct? Is that right? Was that what you have? Okay, great. Super. All right. Um, there we go, cool, Longhorn, I love it. Okay, this guy loves me, this guy loves me. Um, let me ask you a question. We're gonna talk about this, and believe it or not, I think Jesus highly emphasizes what I'm getting ready to say in scripture. In fact, I think it's the most, the problem Jesus came to solve. But let me ask you this, what if life isn't random? What if there's a point? What if there's a purpose? What if the middle of all the seemingly random circumstances that we experience every single day, there might be a thread on which all of it hangs, right? Maybe there's something bigger going on behind the scenes of what we're capable of experiencing and processing with our five natural senses alone, all right? 
Yes, sir. Would you freak out if that said the same number? Everybody look at this guy. All right. <laughs> Open that up and show him what it says. I told you that's what you're going to do because that, in fact, does say the same number. Freak out! <laughs> I cannot really predict what random number someone would choose from the white pages. That's impossible. But if I could do it, I think it would look something like that right there. No way. That's impossible. Does that say three three two six nine one zero? Ladies and gentlemen, give these guys a huge round of applause. You guys can have a seat. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. I forgot. Yeah, the card. Oh my gosh. This guy. This, yeah, hold on. This guy screwed me up. Um. Just kidding, sir. Just kidding. Uh, is this on, Cole? Is this on? Can you turn this on? You picked the card. Um. Do something really random. Do you have your phone? Do you have your phone? Do you have your phone? <laughs> your friend, what's your name? Joe, come here, quick. Turn, wait, stand right there. Joe, turn on your phone. Call that number. Three two six nine one zero. Just call and then keep it on, and then turn it up really loud. Cooper and I want everyone to see that this is your phone, right? And Hello, you've reached the Orange County Day Spa on normal business hours on Monday through Friday, nine a.m. to five p.m. Please leave us a message, and one of us will call you back as soon as we can to schedule your next appointment. And um, this is going to sound like totally strange and like my clientele, but I was sitting here in the spa today, and this man walked in here. And I'm pretty sure he was like a magician or something, because he had this like a playing card, so he was shuffling all fancy. Um, and he said that he'd give me a hundred dollars if I thought of one of the names of the 52 playing cards and said it on my voice when I recorded it. So for a hundred dollars, the card that I'm thinking of is the Five of Diamonds. Five of diamonds, so I did mine in my deal, so I expect to be paid now. Okay, thanks. Bye. Thank you. You can keep that. You picked a plank, you cut one. Shuffle pack, cut to a plank card. Just curious, what card did you pick? Five of diamonds. Show it to me. Yes, you did. Ladies and gentlemen, give these guys a round of applause. <laughs> Are we having fun yet? Awesome. See, there's, there's two versions of reality that happened at the same time. There's my version, right? And then there's your version. So what your brain's trying to do right now is pull all the puzzle, puzzle pieces together and pull the logic together and rationalize how in the world this happened. Kind of like life. And for me especially, kind of like when I was trying to understand Jesus. So you try to rationalize and process why these things, these random things happen. And some of us have all these aha moments where we look back and we're like, you know what, that was totally the Lord. And some of us are in a season right now where these different factors, these variables are coming up and we have no idea what to do with them. Whether you know this or not, the whole purpose for Jesus Christ coming to planet Earth was to solve that problem, to solve that for us, right? And I'm all about, I'm, I, I'm an evangelist. I love it when people hear the gospel. I think you're going to hear the gospel in a certain way today that's going to open your eyes 
to something completely different. If you have your Bibles or your phones or whatever, we're going to show them on the screens too. Open up to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. We're going to read a passage of scripture, two passages of scripture today that hopefully drive this home. We're not going to take very long. Mark chapter 8. Cole, when you get a sec, pull it up. There we go. So um, Jesus just got done feeding the 4,000. All right. Mark chapter 8. He's, uh, he's with his disciples after this amazing miracle. Uh, but before he gets with his disciples into this boat, he says this. Um, well, they're, they're, now they're in the boat. Wait, is this where I started? Okay, great. Okay, yeah. So anyway, the disciples and Jesus are hanging out. They just fed the 4,000. And the disciples had forgotten to bring bread. Isn't it just like a disciple to kind of do something like that? They forgot to bring bread except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. So they're given this thing, and they don't know how to process it. Jesus just said something. They have no idea what to do with it. Because they say, they discussed with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. It's because we have no bread. That's why he said that. It's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Everybody say the word see. Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? He's basically saying, don't you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Anybody ever been in a situation where they're like, man, it'd be great if Jesus would tell me, would, would explain to me what he's trying to tell me, right? You have eyes but fail to see. Everybody say see. And ears but fail to hear. And don't you remember when I broke the five loads for the 5,000, how many baskets, basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Next, uh, next slide. Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets full of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Do you still not understand? While you watch this trick, do you still not understand? When you're in your marriage, do you still not understand? When you're working with your finances, your employees, do you still not understand? They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man. So basically, Jesus understands their question, and he's getting ready to have a clinic. He's going to show them exactly what he's trying to tell them. Watch this. This is my favorite passage in all of Scripture. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? So to recap, Jesus' disciples, he's like, do you not see? Do you not hear? Do you not understand? He's like, disciples, watch this. Takes a blind man, puts him down, and spits on his eyes. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on Jesus said, do you see anything? Everybody say, see. He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. And everybody's like, what is that guy smoking? Right? And I've heard, I've heard pastors talk about this, like, you know, why didn't Jesus open the guy's eyes the first time so that he'd, be, he'd see clearly? Maybe Jesus himself in his flesh didn't have enough faith. Or maybe the guy didn't have enough faith. Next scripture, next slide. Once more, so once more. So he touches the guy's eyes the first time. The guy says, he says, do you see anything? And he says, I see men like trees walking around. And then he touches the guy's eyes a second time. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw. Everybody say saw. Everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. So here he is the first time. Bing. What do you see? And the guy says, I see men like trees walking around. And he touches the guy's eyes a second time, and he says what? He says, now the Bible says he saw clearly. Everybody say, I have two sets of eyes. We all have two sets of eyes. We've got our natural sight, and we've got our spiritual sight. And when Jesus touched the guy's eyes the first time, he opened up his spiritual sight. In the same way that there are two versions of this reality happening at the same time when the table flips over and your brain goes explode, there's two ways to see this and there's two ways to see your world every single day. One by natural sight and one by spiritual sight. Now I'm going to dig into this a little bit deeper in scripture so don't lose this because this, this is actually really, really cool. Why would the guy see men like trees walking around? Why would Jesus need to open up spiritual sight? Check this out. Can you go, Cole, go to Genesis 3 for me, please? 
This is the beginning of the story. This is when we're, they're in the garden. This is where man and God have a perfect relationship with one another. All right? Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Casting doubt. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit, the, the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. And the enemy looked at her and said, you will not certainly die, which was kind of true. You'll see in a second. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. The deception here was that they already were like God. Right? You will be like God, knowing good and evil. But look what he says here. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. That was the first thing. Basically, he said, when you eat of this fruit, you're going to experience a reality. An experiential reality that you've never experienced before. It wasn't that their eyes were already closed. Does that make sense? They weren't walking around the garden with like this. Why would the enemy say, your eyes will be open when you eat of the fruit? Their eyes already were. They were experiencing something. But he says, your eyes will be open. And then what does it say next? It says, you can go to the next slide. And also desirable for gaining wisdom. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of them, eyes of both of them were opened. So in that moment, when they ate of that fruit and they disobeyed, pow, like Neo in the Matrix, their reality completely changed. Their sight changed. They're naked. They're ashamed. They're walking around they, like, like, like learning how, if you knew how this magic trick was going, you would never see it the same way ever again, right? And in that moment, they experienced reality in a completely different way. And their natural sight came on. They were walking in spiritual sight, in a proximity to God that only we are going to get a chance to experience when we go to heaven. But when the sight came on, that's when they were completely exposed and, and didn't even know what was going on. Now check this out. When we go back to the man born blind, and the Bible says that he opened up that guy's eyes the first time. Are we all following this so far? When he opened this guy's eyes the first time and said, what do you see? And he said, I see men like trees walking around. I believe that Jesus opened up his spiritual sight. Jesus was standing there with his disciples in a group, he was having a teaching because they were talking about not being able to see and hear. So he took a blind guy and put his hands on the guy's eyes and he said, what do you see? I see men like trees walking around. You know what the number one illustration for a man in all of scripture is? A tree. Do you remember when Jesus cursed the fig tree when he was going back to Israel and he said, this is like the Pharisees. Do you remember when uh, he said, you'll know a tree by its fruit? Do you remember when in Psalm 1, he will be like a tree planted by living streams of water whose leaves don't wither and every good season he'll bear fruit. There's, there's some obscure scriptures in Ezekiel and some of the prophetic stuff about this specifically. And I won't get into that. But when the guy, when Jesus touched the guy's eyes, he literally experienced a version of reality that only you and I get to experience when Jesus infuses our life with his presence. Then he touched the guy's eyes the second time. He opened up his eyes the second time, and boom, he saw clearly. We have two sets of eyes, one natural and one spiritual. And what, I, what I'm hoping to communicate to you today is that God wants to open your spiritual eyes. He wants to show you how and why He's doing the things in your life a certain way, and it, this sounds crazy, but it's a supernatural eye-opening that he wants to give you. And I know this for a fact because this has happened in my own life. My story goes something like this. I was born and raised here. I played baseball, went to Servite High School. I ended up going to the University of Texas to pitch for Augie Garrido, who most Southern Californians know his name. He's the Cal State Bulletin, all those baseball campuses. I got, I got there, I, uh, I pitched great, but then I blew out my shoulder. I, don't was, I was, began to ask some spiritual questions, and I started my Christian walk right there. But there was always this chess match 
And I, when I talk to men specifically, this chess match is real. And the chess match goes something like this. Well, God, why? And why this? And so although I knew or I, I, something inside of me said that God was real, there was this chess match, that, this atheism that I'd, that I'd grown so accustomed to for so long. And the answers of the Bible seemed so, so infantile. And I wanted more meat. I wanted to be able to um, talk to other people and and, and philosophers, and, and, and I got heavily into apologetics. So I finally got to this place in my early Christian walk where I said, God, if you're real, you need to show up in a way that I can completely understand. You need to open my eyes to who you are and what this is all about in such a tangible way because I struggle. I struggle with doubt. I struggle with unbelief. It's easy to come into a church on Sundays. It's hard to go out there during the week. I'll never forget, uh, I, was doing this, I was doing this show, and um, this right, my, uh, this intense pain started in my right leg, overwhelming pain. I went to the emergency room. They checked it, didn't see anything. But I had to keep going back to the emergency room because the pain was overwhelming. Finally got to an ER in December of 2008. This doctor looked at me. He said, you have leukemia. He said, what? And boom, just in that moment, man you've ever experienced this, uh, something like that, it's like your reality changes. Just like when we talked about Adam and Eve in the garden, they ate that fruit. It's like, it's an experiential understanding that transforms everything. Your job doesn't matter as much. All that Everything that's important just changes. He looked at me and he said, we want to start treatment. My, my wife and my father-in-law said, no, he's going to MD Anderson. So we, we got together and we, we flew down to MD Anderson as fast as we could. I found out that I had two months to live sitting in Houston, Texas. This doctor looked at me and said, it's worse than leukemia. He said, he has this kind of leukemia. It's called Philadelphia Positive ALL. I said, what does that mean? He said, we cannot cure him with chemotherapy. Well, what's the cure? What's the, what's the play here? They said, the only hope, now listen to this, because you can listen to this with one of two sets of eyes. The only hope for him is if we can find someone in the world whose DNA matches his close enough. And if we can find that person, it's a Jewish doctor. And if we can find that person, we're going to substitute that person's perfect blood on his behalf so that he can live again. And I said, come again? We have to find someone in the world who can save you. It's the terminology he used. I was like, well, where, do we, where do we find this person? Where? They said, well, we're testing your own biological sibling to see if they're a close enough match. Well, my biological sibling wasn't a close enough match. But we said, what do we do? They said, well, there's this international database called Be The Match. We're going to take your info, stick it into this database, and hopefully it will yield a match. I said, does everyone find their match, their DNA match? He said, no. So my whole life hinged upon finding someone who could save me of my disease. They looked and they looked and looked. They got back to me and said, out of this entire database, there are only 15 potential matches for you. Just 15. I said, is that good? He said, not really. For a Caucasian male, no. So we waited and we waited. My only hope was for a savior. I remember driving back to Houston, Texas for more chemotherapy. Be the match called and they said, Mr. Monroe, I said, what? They said, we have some good news for you. I'd heard the words good news before, but not quite like this. They said, well, I said, what's the good news? They said, the good news is this. Out of those 7 million people, those 15 potential matches, they said, there is one, just one. There's one person on the planet who we've been able to identify who can save you of your disease, just one. They, they've contacted that person, and that person's willing to go to bat for you. They're willing to substitute their perfectly matched blood on your behalf so that you can live again. I said, that's crazy. And then I said, well, who is this person? Wouldn't you want to know? They said, well, we can't tell you who the person is. I said, why? They said, it's legal. I said, okay. So well, can you tell me anything about this person? They said, yes. They said, your match is a 19-year-old female. And I said, you know I'm a man, right? And they said, yes, but you're incredibly feminine because you went to the University of Texas. They said, no. They said, congratulations. We found your match. They said, it's crazy. Then they began to say this. They said, Mr. Monroe, your bone marrow transplant is scheduled for April 23rd. Everybody say April 23rd. 
They said on April 23rd, we're going to put this, we're going to kill your old man off. Listen to this. We're going to destroy your old man so that it's ready to receive the new person, the new blood. And they said on April 23rd, you get a brand new birthday. They said the nurses come inside your hospital room to celebrate your second birth. Every day, every year, you get two birthdays. I said, why is that? Because it's no longer going to be you living on the inside of you. It's going to be somebody else. And the life that you now live will basically be by faith in this new system of blood that was willingly substituted on your behalf by the only person on the planet that can save you of your disease. Sound like anything you've heard before? So they brought this IV bag into my room. They dripped it in my IV. My body received that perfect gift. And I stand before you today 100% completely cancer-free because it's perfect blood at a perfect match. But wait. The story gets really crazy now because when they look at my blood today, do you know what they see? They see XX chromosomes. Do you know what that means? That's right, I'm a 19-year-old chick on the inside. I'm not even allowed to be here. went by, I wanted to know who this person was. This whole born again experience. The doctor literally said you're going to be like a baby inside your mother's womb being born again. He was quoting Jesus. I'll never forget that a year went by and I slowly kind of got back to health. They keep the paperwork and the information anonymous for a year. because they don't. They, you're still struggling to get well. It's a really tough process. But at a year, at April 23rd, 2010, I wanted to know who my match was. I wanted to know who my Savior was. See, the story doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless you get to know your Savior. So I said, who is this person? Because I haven't sent that paperwork in. You don't know who it is. And they said, oftentimes, people don't want to know. You, they just want to remain anonymous. No, I want to know. Every week, I call, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? About eight months went by, and they said, we just need to know. And it may, may not happen. Then I was eating guacamole at Uncle Julio's restaurant in Grapevine, Texas. And my phone buzzed. I picked it up, and there was this woman on the other line. She said, Mr. Menard, what? She said, your donor has put in their paperwork. I said, send it to me. I started crying. And I opened up my inbox, and there was her name. Her name was Janelle. Do you know all of your names have meanings? My name is James which comes from the word Jacob, which means deceiver, which I think is hilarious. But, <laughs> but her name was Janelle. Do you know what the word Janelle translated means? It literally means God is gracious. That was her name. There was a phone number underneath her name. My wife and I got together that night. We FaceTimed the number. And she picked up, and she's looking at me, staring at my Savior in the eye. And she said, Jim, said, what? I said, so good to meet you. So good to meet you, too. She said, I want you to know something I've never told you. I, I'm so happy to be able to say this. She said, knowing that I may never get a chance to meet you, right after I got done giving my phone there, she said, I went and got a tattoo to commemorate you. And I was like, oh, do you have a ton of tattoos? She said, no, I only have one. She said, I went and got a tattoo of a jigsaw puzzle piece on the very spot where they put that needle in my arm to pull out the new blood, knowing that I was the missing piece in someone else's life, and without me, that person wouldn't be alive. You can't write this stuff. The odds of this happening to somebody are like being bitten by a shark and struck by lightning at the same time, twice in the same lifetime. Or maybe you have to believe what I believe is true, and that is the God of the universe from behind the curtain of the reality, the naturalism that I was experiencing, reached into time and space after I asked him, opened up my eyes to the fullness of his character and who he was so that he could have a relationship with me to show off because he loves me. And if that's true for me, what does that mean for you? God's given you two sets of eyes, one that's natural and one that's spiritual. And I'm here to tell you today, you're like, oh, your, your testimony, man, that's such a cool story. How could you not see? Well, I asked for it, right? I asked for something that I couldn't argue with. 
And I'm here to say, if you ask and seek and go and look, God will open your eyes to the spiritual component. It's impossible to do Christianity if you're not walking in the spirit. It's impossible to do life as a Christian if you don't have Jesus' presence infusing your natural sight to show up and give you a version of reality that only he can show you every single day. And what happens more times than not, I talk to a lot of Christians, they get really frustrated and confused because they hear with their ears, but they can't experience it the way that they want to experience it. And I'm I'm just here to share with you today through that story that God wants to not only open your ears and open your sight, he wants to give you his vision, his sight. He wants to open your eyes to the reality. The Bible literally says he opens the eyes of our hearts to what is the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory and the inheritance of the saints and the surpassing greatness of power towards those who believe in his name. Don't leave here this morning without asking God to open the eyes of your heart, to be open your spiritual sight so that you can experience who he is today. Amen? Can I, can I pray for us before we close? Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I ask you to fall. I just ask you to fall on this place. And I thank you, God, for the tangibility of your presence. Open the eyes of my heart right now, God, to experience you in this place of rest. God, open our eyes to see you and to know you. God, remove that barrier that our, that our natural jacked up flesh creates between us and God just pour into us this morning open our eyes to a relationship with our wife open our eyes to relationships with our kids open our eyes to relationships with our in our finances God with non-believers God open our eyes show us that we're the difference that we're the witness of what you've done in our hearts just open our eyes today to who you are God and I pray that it would be so palpable that we would never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's put it up for Jim. Awesome. What a powerful story. Uh, Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, Our hope and desire is that you would continue to be on that journey with us, to to engage, to get connected, to continue to grow in faith, and to to visit and hang out with us on the weekends, obviously. This is a church, so we're here every Saturday and Sunday, so join us for that. Uh, I want to show you guys, kind of switching gears a little bit, a video that we put together talking a little bit more about Rogue. Check this out. You know, my wife and I, we've been married for uh, 15 years. You know, if you if anyone would have asked us what type of how your marriage is, I would have said great, happy, thankful. And I really, I did say that many, many times. But there was something underneath that we just couldn't put our fingers on and that it was just, it was escalating, it was growing. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was uh, just a horrible feeling to realize that there is something uh, tearing us apart and yet we didn't know until finally last year, it really exploded. So in the rogue group with the uh, group of guys, uh, you know, uh, the important thing is that uh, we hold each other accountable. You know, we pray for each other, we support each other. You know, we become uh, a a good group of guys and rogue has really uh, brought us together. And and we, we continue together as a rogue life group, which uh, has, you know, just been phenomenal. You know, and uh, we look forward to uh, staying together as a group and, uh, you know, uh, holding each other accountable, uh, praying for each other in a sense for, and uh, it, it's just been life changing. From the rogue experience that I went through, talked about virtues and forgiveness and um, how 
God made us into the men we were supposed to be. And I, I realized pretty quickly that I wasn't even close to to that, you know, to what God had, had made, made me to be. And I was, I was pretty ashamed of myself. But, you know, you learn to, to lift your head up and, and strive to become the man that God made you to be. And at the same time, realize that that's not something you can do by yourself, by, by willing it or thinking it. Um, you really need to pray and be in the Word and, and rely on the Spirit to, to come within you. And, and that's the power that you need to harness, is, is the power of the Spirit. It's the same Spirit that, that David had when he slayed Goliath, and the same Spirit that, that rose Jesus from the grave. I'm still really happy glowing here inside. Uh, this weekend, my wife and I really, uh, we made the decision to be um, re-baptized in the Lord and uh, reconfirm our commitment to God and to one another. And it is a, just, it was a blessed day and I still feel that I am so thankfully blessed that I can continue this journey uh, with my wife. You know, Rogue, Rogue is not a, a course or a curriculum that um, is for uh, you know, people with big issues. It, it's for every man out there. Uh, and I, I hope that every man and every wife uh, recommends that their husbands go to this because it will transform them and teach them about being a better husband, being a better father, being a better communicator um, through virtues and, and character um, and, all, and, and really teaching them what true intimacy really is. And having a group of men that are there to support them in being better men and holding them accountable, because it's exactly what we do, is we hold these men accountable, uh, very honestly and very truthfully uh, in that group. All right, so uh, on your tables, there's a card right here if you want to grab that. And we were, were really hoping that every guy would go through Rogue because we've just seen several hundred men now go through this program and it's really transformed their life it's transformed their relationships with their wives maybe their parents their children and so we want to we just want to see you guys dive into this many of you guys in the room have already gone through it so there's a couple different options again it's there's an early morning one before work and there's an evening one two different options so just want to encourage you to fill this out leave it on your table and uh, we'll we'll contact you probably this weekend because it starts next week so, guys, thank you again so much for coming. Thank you, Jim, for your amazing story. Um, yes. There's one last announcement. If you would just put in your phones today, Man Camp 2020 is May 29, 30, 31. A lot of times people go, I didn't know. I didn't know it was coming up. I told you this far in advance. All right. Man, I, I've always wanted to go to that, but I'm busy that weekend. No, this is months in advance. M May 29, 30, 31. Man Camp is always amazing. Guys, have a great weekend. We'll see you. We'll see you next time. Thanks. The ring of fire. The ring of fire. The taste of love is sweet. When hearts like ours meet